Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is taken from our Not Abandoned series, which walks through the book of Exodus, seeing how God is always with us. We hope this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, take your Bibles. Let's go to Exodus chapter number 11. Exodus chapter 11. This morning, and we are going to get right back into our study in the book of Exodus. Of course, last week we had a guest speaker that was with us, uh, Chaplain Major Robert Pitts, that was here. And wasn't that helpful last week? Those of you that were in our service, what a great uh, message we heard. And I'm just so thankful out of the book of Isaiah and what really missions is, and then understanding a lot of the concepts and principles that he brought out last week. But this week, we're going to jump right back into our series. We've been studying out the book of Exodus. Now, if you remember with me. I'm not going to give you this whole big recap. We just need to remember the children of Israel, the people, the Hebrew people, they don't have a land of their own yet. They've actually been in captivity under the Egyptian Pharaoh for hundreds of years, and they finally call out to God. They finally cry out for help, and God responds this way to them. He speaks to a man by the name of Moses, telling Moses, I'm going to use you to deliver the people. And here's what God says to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, and I know their sorrows. And then verse 8, he said, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Man, I am going to come down. I am going to come, and I'm going to answer that prayer request. And God is doing that. He's stepping in through the life of a man by the name of Moses. Last week, or excuse me, two weeks ago in our last message, what we looked at is one of the probably most well-known stories of the Old Testament. It is the 10 plagues of Egypt. Now, we covered nine of them, nine plagues of Egypt, and we, we saw that God told Moses, Moses, I want you to continually go before Pharaoh, ask him to release the people, but Moses, you need to know something. Pharaoh's going to harden his heart, and every time you go before him, his heart is going to be hardened. He's going to be saying no to you, but Moses, don't get discouraged because I'm going to use this time to show my power and to show my mercy I'm going to use this time to show that I am God. And every one of the plagues, many of them spoke against the gods of Egypt where Jehovah God was elevating himself to say, hey, I am the only real true God. And of course, Moses went before Pharaoh and time and time again, Pharaoh hardened his heart. The principle that we walked away with two weeks ago that I want to revisit very briefly is this. Don't be a Pharaoh. What do you mean by that, pastor? Hey, all of us have times when we know God is speaking into our life, and yet we, like Pharaoh, say no. We resist God. God speaks to us on even small things about things in our marriage or things with our family or things at at the workplace or in our own character, our own humility. God speaks to us, and we say no. And so we were challenged two weeks ago, don't be a Pharaoh. Anytime you look into your life and see a hardened heart over anything immediately just come to God. God, I'm, I'm sorry for that hardness in my heart. God, what do you want me to do? I'm willing and I'm ready to obey. Don't be a Pharaoh. Well, this week, we're coming to a portion of scripture that really is probably one of the saddest places in the book of Exodus. It's known in the 
passage as the Passover, the angel of death, or the death angel that comes into Egypt. And we're going to discover all of it today and see how it applies to us. But before we get into the message, I just want to ask you, have you ever noticed how <clears throat> children, if I were to right now go, I just did, I went, when we were singing that last song, I slipped down to our clubhouse kids and said hi to all of them and told them to find me afterwards and I'd give them candy. So you're welcome, parents. I'm giving your kids candy after church. Um, hopefully that's okay. I've always heard it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission, so... Anyway, if I were to go downstairs right now and I were to get one of those kids and bring them up here, say a five-year-old or a six-year-old, and I were to pull out $100 or I were to go to, to Noah over here and get $100 and borrow $100 and, and pull, pull that out and I were to say to that child, hey, here's $100, and they got that $100 bill, most kids, they would look at that $100 bill and they would think, what is this? And why does it matter in my life? I don't know many five-year-olds that understand the importance of $100. However, I do know that if I pulled my 16-year-old son up here and I said, hey, Dennis, I'm going to give you what He just right now said, do it. <laughs> do it. No. <clears throat> he knows if I, if I pulled him up here and I said, Dennis, here's $100. Do you know what he probably would do? He would grab that $100. I might get a thank you. Maybe, maybe I would get a thank you. There really probably would be a sense of gratitude. I know Dennis, I know that he, look, he would look at that $100 and he would not think, now, what am I gonna do with this? He wouldn't think that. I know Dennis well enough that actually he probably already, I, even though I just mentioned it, he's already thought about two or three things that he would do if I gave him that $100. Am I right? Yes, I am. What's one thing you would do? Gas money. Hey, that is a smart 16-year-old right there. Man, he already is thinking, here's what I would do with that money. Why, listen, why does he, why does he at 16 think something different than the five-year-old or the six-year-old? Well, it's because he understands the importance of it. He understands the significance of it. He understands what he has been given and the resources that he has and he's already thinking how he could use it. Every adult in here, not every adult, just about every adult in here would probably be the same way. If I were to offer you $100, there would be a sense of gratitude. There would be a sense of, of, uh, of thankfulness, no doubt. But there also immediately would be, oh, I know what that's going to. It's going to groceries or it's going to that or that's going to a Christmas gift that I'm buying. Or we would have in our mind, I know where this is going. But that little five-year-old, they're going to be like, ha, ha, ha. And they might even leave it. Why is it that when you go to do Christmas, you give your kids Christmas gifts and the, the little two and three-year-olds, what are they more enamored with? Wrapping paper, the box. I remember it hit a point with our kids when they were little, I was like, can we just give them an empty box? Like I'd save a lot of money. Why? They don't understand. They don't understand the significance. They don't understand the importance. What I would like to present today and for us to discover from the word of God, we're going to go through this story. It's, it's, a, it's a, a sobering story. It's a sad story. It's something that many Christians look at and wonder, now what's, what's going on? Why, why would God allow this to happen? Why does this take place? But what we're going to discover today is, I think, one of the things we can learn from the story that's before us 
is we can actually understand the importance of something that we have. We can understand the importance of something that God has done for us by looking at the story that unfolds before us tonight or this morning. So here's what I'd like to do. We're gonna cover two chapters today. Now that doesn't mean I'm gonna preach for two hours. Aren't you glad, Pastor Rob? <clears throat> Some of you are disappointed. I'm sorry. Uh, but it does mean that we're going to, we're gonna cover a lot of scripture today. So really most of the slides today, they're gonna be verses right out of the Bible because I think if we can grasp what took place, it will help us understand the importance of it and how it applies into our life. And really, I think it could really affect this week for every single one of us. So let's take our Bibles. Let's go to Exodus chapter 11. Let's stand. We're just gonna read Exodus 11. It's only 10 verses. We're gonna read this to start. This kind of gives us a great uh, uh, springboard, if you will, into the other passage in, in Exodus 12, the other chapter. So Exodus chapter 11 and verse number one. The Lord said unto Moses, now remember, Moses has gone before Pharaoh a number of times to request the people to be released. Nine plagues have already happened. God said this unto Moses, yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterwards, he will let you go hence. When he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out hence altogether. Speak now in the ears of the people and let every man borrow of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor jewels of silver and jewels of gold. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Pause. We're not gonna cover this very much, but we know God said this to Moses back in chapter number three. Moses, when you do go out from Egypt, you will spoil the Egyptians. God, I'm going to bless you and the riches of Egypt are going to go with you. Now God's revisiting that in Moses's life. Pick back up. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. And Moses said, this is, this is Moses now speaking before an audience of the people and perhaps even Pharaoh himself. Thus saith the Lord, about midnight will I go into the midst of Egypt and all the firstborn of the land of Egypt shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill and all the firstborn of beasts. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it anymore. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast that you, that ye, speaking to Pharaoh, that you may know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. And all these thy servants shall come down unto me and bow down themselves unto me saying, get thee out and all the people that follow thee. And after that, I will go out and he, Moses, went out from Pharaoh in a great anger. The Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. And Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he would not let the children of Israel go out of his land. This again, this is a familiar story and yet it's a heartbreaking story that we have before us this morning. But I think from this story, we can be challenged again about the importance of understanding, understanding the importance of something that we have, something that we've been given. You're gonna see the similarities so much as we go through it today. And I know the beginning right now is kind of vague, right? What are you talking about? Understand the importance of what? We're, we'll get there. 
All right? So let's pray, and let's get right into the Word of God this morning. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you take a minute? And just in the quietness of your own heart, would you ask the Lord? Would you ask God to speak to you today? Would you ask God to help you this morning to hear from him? Dear Lord, we come before you and we thank you for your love and just your care for us. We thank you for um, how you give into our lives each day. And Father, we're thankful that you have the word of God available to us to help us and to teach us. And so Lord, this morning as we come to this passage, God, I pray that you'd give me clarity of thinking, Father, that you would challenge each of us, that you'd speak to my heart again, what I've been challenged this week by this passage. And Father, I pray that that would come through the message. I just humble my mind to you. And Lord, we recognize that we need you today. I pray that God, that if there's someone with us, whether in person or online, that they do not know that if they died today, they'd go to heaven. I pray that today would be the day they put their faith in you. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your love. Pray that you'd speak to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You go ahead and be seated. In Exodus 11 and 12, we are finding the last and final judgment upon Pharaoh and upon the people of Egypt. And the judgment is for not submitting to the Lord, not following the Lord. Many refer to this as the angel of death or the Passover angel. And what we read in these verses before us is just really the fact that God in his justness, in being just and merciful, God was willing. Now understand this, and we have to lay the groundwork. So I'll tell you this today. The introduction is the largest part of the message. We're going to be here for a few minutes. But here's what we need to grasp. The fact of the matter is that God had been giving Pharaoh and Egypt chance after chance after chance. I'm going to be preaching a series at the beginning of next year out of the book of Jonah. I haven't decided what I'm titling it yet, but the concept is going to be that we serve a God of second chances. Well, in this passage, God was giving the children of, uh, excuse me, the people of Egypt, he was giving them chance after chance after chance to, uh, to follow him. He was giving them opportunity after opportunity, mercy after mercy, grace after grace. And yet his mercy, his, his um, offering of chances, it was just met with resistance. And isn't it true that time and time again, we saw Pharaoh harden his heart. And when we read that the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, it was not in opposition to Pharaoh's will. No, the the statement we gave was that it was in concert to Pharaoh's will. Pharaoh was already hardening his heart. And so when it says that the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, God was just allowing it to happen. And that's taught in Romans 1. That's taught in a number of other places. But we need to know that God had a desire that the people of Egypt would follow him. We know that from all of the principles of scripture because the Bible tells us this in the book of 1 Peter that God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. Well, what is the repentance? It's the spirit that says, God, I was heading my way but I turn to you. I submit to you. And so because of this resistance, God tells Moses of this coming judgment. We just read chapter 11 where Moses was given the instructions by the Lord, and then Moses turned around and gave the instructions to Pharaoh. Pharaoh once again resisted, the people heard, and so God 
continues speaking to Moses. And I want you to notice chapter number 12, where God gives some specifics to Moses about this death angel or this Passover. It says, the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, here's the instructions. This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, in the 10th day of this month, be April 10th, they shall take to them every man a lamb. According to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for a lamb, let him and his neighbor next door or his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. And you shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening of the 14th day, and they shall take the blood of that lamb that they've killed on the 14th day, and they shall strike it or uh, display it on the post, the two side posts and the upper door post of the houses wherein they shall eat it. So Moses, before God, God gives Moses the instructions, go to the people and tell them this. Now, If you go, and I would encourage you to read it, go home and read Exodus chapter 11 and 12 and just see the flow of thought. We don't have the time this morning to dive into every little thing that we can learn, although there are tons and tons and tons of principles that we could learn. I could preach a whole series on Exodus 11 and 12, probably an eight eight to 10 week series of things that we could grasp from this. But here's what takes place. Moses is supposed to go before the people and lay out, lay out the instructions. What are the instructions? Well, every, every family needs to get a lamb, a male lamb, firstborn male lamb that is without blemish. What does that mean? Well, without anything, without any faults, without any, any skin disease in, the, in that lamb, without any disfigurement in the face, without any dismemberment in the body, just find a, basically a perfect lamb. And then here's what you need to do. On the 10th day, you're going to take it out from the flock and you're actually going to bring that baby lamb into your home. And for four days, that lamb is going to be in your home. Now, there's some significance even there because in those four days, no doubt, if you have little children in the home during those four days, what does that lamb become? He becomes a member of the family during those four days. Well, on that fourth day, here's what you're to do, dad, in the sight of the family and in the sight of all of the people, all the congregations going to come out and here's what you're going to do. You're going to kill that lamb in front of your family. And then you're going to take the blood of that lamb. You're going to collect the blood of that lamb into into a pail or a bucket. And then you're going to take the blood of that lamb. You're going to go to your front door. And you're going to display the blood on the front door, on the side post, and on the top post. That's not all. Here's what you need to do. You need to take the meat of that lamb. So now you've got to skin it. You've got to gut it. You've got to go through everything. And you're going to take the meat of that lamb and you're going to cook it. And on that 14th day, after you've killed that lamb and taken the blood and put it on the side post and the head post, you're going to cook it and then you're going to eat it. You're going to eat that lamb. And then if there's any leftovers, you're not just going to, you know, they didn't have refrigerators, but you're not going to put it in salt and leave it on salt so that it might be good tomorrow to eat. You're not going to try to save it. No, no, no. You're going to put it all in the fire. You're going to burn it until it's completely gone. Moses, go tell the people this. But Moses tell the people also 
that if they don't do this, if they don't have the blood of the lamb covering their doorposts, the death angel will come through their house as well. So these families are to do this. But then the instruction continues. And the instruction in verse 14 down through verse number 28, we won't read it all. But the instruction that was given was not only do you need to do this, but you need to write it down and then you need to do it every year at this same time. And you're going to memorialize it. It's gonna be a, 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 a memorial for your people. And here's why. Here's why. Because it needs to be remembered and needs to be taught to every generation. Okay, Moses, do you understand that? Kill the lamb, put the, put the blood on the post, put the blood on the top, eat the, eat the meat, uh, the, the rest you're just gonna burn away. And then next year at this time, you're gonna do the same thing again. And then in years to come, you're gonna keep telling everybody what you're doing and why you're doing it. And God explains himself as to why the animal must die. And God begins to describe a lot to Moses. Again, I would encourage you to go read it. But he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to memorialize it and tell your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids, just keep it going. Everybody should know why you did what you did. Well, in verse number 29, we find it actually coming to pass. We find it taking place. And it came to pass that at midnight on that 14th day, the Lord smote all of the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne and to the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of cattle. And Pharaoh, he rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt for there was not a house where there was not one dead. And he, Pharaoh, he called for Moses and for Aaron by night. And here's what he said, Rise up and get you forth from among my people. Hey, get out of here. Both you and the children of Israel and go and serve the Lord as you have said. Also take your flocks and herds as you have said and be gone and bless me also. Verse 51 says, and it came to pass the selfsame day, now the 15th day of April, that the Lord did bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their armies. And what happened? Well, God did as he had promised. Now, before we get too far ahead of ourselves and before we condemn God for an act that we look at and think, wow, that's, that's crazy to see all of the firstborn killed. I again want to rehearse what I said two weeks ago what I said just a minute ago, the chapter, the, these, these passages are filled with God's mercy. You see, if God was just a God of judgment, he would have started with the death angel. Aren't you thankful that God gives you mercy after mercy? You see, in your life, and we like to do this sometimes, we like to say, 
well, my sin is not as bad as their sin, or my, my fault is not as bad as that fault that I heard. And those, you know, those murderers and those, and we, we, we categorize sin in the sense of this, that we might look at somebody like an Adolf Hitler or something like that. We might look at sins like that and we compare and we say, well, man, they deserve to complete, and people, I've heard people, that person, whoever it is, they deserve to completely burn in hell forever and ever because of their crimes, But me, I mean, it was just, you know, it's just a small thing. It's just a little lie. It's just, well, here's the thought. Sin is sin. Any sin is a transgression against God. We all deserve God's judgment. And yet, God doesn't start with judgment. God starts with mercy. And time and time again, again and again, before we condemn God for the actions that we see in Exodus 11 and 12, we need to step back and say, man, it was actually mercy that led up to this. Mercy time and time and time again. As we look in Exodus chapter 11, chapter 12, and we see the death angel, we see that what we just read took place. At that 14th night, the death angel passed through the land. And of course, Pharaoh, they wake up in the night and many believe that it was just kind of God that woke them up to help them see that it had come to pass. And they woke up and sure enough, there's death in their families. And uh, from, from his house all the way to the, the lowest captive in the dungeon, if they were Egyptian, if there wasn't blood over their door, if they were Hebrew, no matter who they were, listen, the, the death angel came through. But if you had the blood, if the blood was on your doorposts, That's where you get the term Passover. The angel passed over. It's an incredible story. But from this story, as I stated at the beginning, we can understand the significance of what we have. Because this story is a picture. It's a type. It was showing something to come. And what was it showing to come? It was showing to come Jesus Christ. What you find in this story, this story is an incredible picture of what Jesus did for us. And there's three principles that I think we need to learn and walk away with today to help us understand the significance. First, we need to know this. Sacrifice is required before deliverance can be given. Sacrifice is required before deliverance can be given. In our passage, we find the sacrifice of the lamb that had to happen before the deliverance of the people could be given. Not just the deliverance from the death angel, but the deliverance from Egypt. Before they got to leave Egypt, the sacrifice of this lamb had to happen. It was a sacrifice of an innocent lamb. Remember, that lamb had to be in the home, growing close to those kids, growing close to the family. And there's just something about a young animal that quickly becomes part of the family. A few years ago, we lived in the parsonage right next door. And uh, if you know this area up here, there's, there's tons of dogs and cats and animals that just, this is an area, we had a dog slip in church. How many of you were here that one time? A dog came like running in during service. Someone opened the door and the dog was in. I'm like, Pastor Rob, go do something. And I don't know what happened to that dog, but <clears throat> we know he didn't do anything because Pastor Rob loves dogs. But there's tons of animals up here. Well, we were, our kids, I think Lena was probably seven or eight years old. And Lena came and she's, she's hiding something. She comes running up, she's hiding something. I'm like, what do you got? She's like, nothing. I'm like, no, you got something. You know, a seven-year-old can't hide anything. 
hi, dad. You know, I'm like, what do you have? And she goes, well, I found this little kitten. Now, if you know me and animals, I'm, I'm sorry to offend anybody. Okay, I apologize up front. I don't like cats. I don't. My dad and I had a wonderful hate-hate relationship for cats. My dad always said, you know, you know what cats are good for? Target practice. I, apolo- I apologized. I apologize. Don't get mad. I just, I'm, I'm allergic to cats. They, like, when they get around me, I sneeze, and my eyes get all red and puffy, and, uh, man, it, it looks like I'm on a drug, but I actually need a drug at that point, man. There's, it's just, it's messed up. Well, she had this little kitten, and she just looked at me, and she had those big old eyes. Not the cat, my daughter. She's holding this kitten. She's like, can I keep it? In the back of my head, I'm like, No. But the dad in me was like, for now, for now. But you're keeping it outside. It was in the summer, so it's fine. Well, Lena, by the end of that first day, Dennis, Micah, Lena, and my own wife, she betrayed me. They're all like, oh, isn't this kitten just that? Now, I will give you this. Little kittens, they're cute. They're all cuddly and friendly and everything. We even took that little kitten with us on a trip to, uh, to Spokane or something, I forget. I, I forget everything that happened, but this little kitten that she had, man, by the first night, everybody's like, oh, we love that cat. And so I'm like, what are you gonna name it? And my daughter's like, Sue Woo. <laughs> I was like, where'd you get that name? She's like, it's on a show. Okay. Second day came, do you know second day who like started getting a heart for this cat? Me. I was like, what is going on with me? You know, I'm looking in the mirror, slapping my, no, I'm kidding. I wasn't doing that. But I remember at the end of that second day, third day, man, you know what? That first week went by and Suwu, she's just a little kitten, little part of the family. And I think uh, Suwu was with us for all of what, two months or something like that. And then one day Lena comes, she's like, dad, I can't find Suwu. And I was, I was heartbroken. I was like, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. Come on, let's go look. And I spent like half the day driving up and down these streets. And then someone, I think Pastor Rob was like, hey, I saw an RV down the way that had like 30 cats outside of it. Maybe Sue was there. So I went, I'm outside these people's RV, hoping not to get shot. I'm like, Sue Woo. Sue, I'm crawling down underneath things. I'm lifting up tarps, you know, hoping not to see bodies or something like that. I'm Sue, and my, you know, my Lena, she's just saying, we printed flyers and put them up everywhere. Lena and the kids, there's staplers out there, you know. You probably still find a Sue flyer somewhere out here in this neighborhood. What am I getting at? Listen, just after a few days, that little, that little innocent animal, kind of became part of the family. Now, thankfully, that animal didn't stay long, and I'm, I hate to say it, but I'm glad. <clears throat> but here's what I can tell you about my kids. They miss Suwu. Like, it was funny. After just a few days. Now, Dennis doesn't miss Suwu now, but you did then, I remember. Don't even <laughs> pretend like you didn't. And you know what? I can't imagine 
I can't imagine, I mean this, and I don't mean to be gruesome, but I can't imagine having an animal with me becoming part of the family and then having to kill it in front of my kids. I can't imagine that. And yet that's what they were told to do. Now, why were they told to do that? Here's why they were told to do that and don't miss it. That lamb, that baby lamb represents innocence. Hey, this this baby lamb has just been a part of our family. He doesn't deserve to die. He did nothing, (coughs) excuse me, but, but kids, listen, we have to kill the lamb. We have to kill the lamb if we wanna live. But daddy, that lamb did nothing. Hey, I know. But we've got to sacrifice. God said we have to sacrifice the lamb if, if we want to live. It's the, old, the oldest child. Listen, it's the lamb or your oldest sibling. Now, some of you, you're like, ah. <laughs> Can I pray about that for a couple days? No. <clears throat> now, listen, if we're all being honest, we would understand that. What a sacrifice. And here's the principle that, that, he was, that God was getting across. I mean, what, what had that lamb done wrong? What evil? No, no, no. The sacrifice of the lamb was for the sin of the people. The sacrifice of the lamb was for the sin of that family. That lamb represented innocence and yet had to die in order for the, am, the, the family to be saved. And you know what this sacrifice is a picture of? It's an incredible picture of Jesus Christ. You see, because Jesus Christ, he is the one, hey, he is the one who died for the sin of the innocent. Jesus is the one that he died for the sin of the people, not just for uh, uh, your sin and my sin, but for the sins of the entire world. The Bible actually says it this way in 2 Corinthians 5.21, for he, God, hath made him Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You know what took place is when Jesus went to the cross, he went to the cross to pay a penalty for your sin. And it is his sacrifice, it is his sacrifice that had to happen before deliverance can be given. You see, whoever believes and applies the blood of Jesus to their life, we are delivered from judgment. Did you know that? We, we know this today, and I recognize the, the elementary concept of this, but sin deserves a punishment. And the punishment for you and I breaking God's law for sinning against God, the punishment is, is hell. Now, hell was not created for us. Hell was not created for mankind, but because God is holy and because God is just, God has laid out a plan to say, if you will put your faith and trust in the sacrifice of Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection, if you do that and it's you receiving his sacrifice, his blood over your life, if you put your trust in that, you are delivered from the judgment to come. But if you don't, Hell is the only other option. That's a little frightening, isn't it? That's a little crazy, isn't it? That's a little fearful, isn't it? But when Jesus came, that was God's mercy. And listen, until the day a person dies, do you know what God is doing in their life? He's knocking. Why would God knock on the hearts of people? Because God pursues people. 
Because God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so God, he knocks on our heart through a coworker or through a friend or through an invitation left on a door or, or through something that grandma and grandpa used to teach us growing up. God knocks on our heart and he says, hey, I gave my life for you so you could be delivered. Sacrifice was required so deliverance can be given. As we look at this, uh, at this story, what do we need to remember? We need to know that sacrifice was required so deliverance could be given. 1 John 4, 9 and 10 says it this way. In this was manifested the love of God or made known the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation, the sacrifice, the, the alternative atonement for our sin. But here's the principle As listed in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 22, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Hey, if Jesus had not died upon the cross, salvation could not be given. Don't downplay the death of Jesus Christ. Don't downplay the death, burial, and resurrection. Had that sacrifice not happened, deliverance could not be given. The author of Hebrews wrote this later and is as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. So Christ, he was, offered, he was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Hey, judgment is coming, but if you look upon Jesus, salvation is yours. Isaiah said it this way. Surely he hath borne our griefs And carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Here's what I want to say today before we move to this second thought is this. When that dad would hold that lamb and kill that lamb in front of the kids, you know what? The kids understood that lamb is dying in my place. Here's what many Christians do all too often with Jesus's death. We categorize it to say he died for the sins of the world. Is that true? Yes, very true. But we need to personalize it. Because you want to know what nailed Jesus to the cross? Your sin. My sin. It was your sinful thoughts. Your sinful actions. It was my sinful actions. My sinful motives. It was my sin that put him upon the cross. So as we look at this story, as we look at all that's unfolding in Exodus 11 and 12, and we wonder about the sacrifice, we can very clearly see the picture of Jesus and understand those children looking at that lamb, recognizing that lamb was innocent and yet is dying for me. Hey, Christian, don't ever miss the simple truth that that lamb, Jesus, was innocent and yet he died for you. He died, Jesus Jesus Christ died for your sins. He died for my sins. He died for that lie and that lustful thought and that bitterness that you hold. He died for the anger or sinful mistreatment of others that comes out of our mouths or hangs out in our minds. He died, yes, for the whole world, but he died for Dennis Fountain. He died for, put your name in there, 
You see, when I understand the importance, it helps me realize his sacrifice meant something. He died for my sins. His sacrifice was required before my deliverance could be given. His sacrifice brings me deliverance from judgment. Number two, faith is required before freedom can be found. Sacrifice is required before deliverance can be given, before judgment, before we ever know that hell is not where we'll spend eternity. His sacrifice had to happen. But secondly, today, faith is required before freedom can be found. As God spoke to Moses, notice the instruction that was given to him and given to the people. We read it a minute ago. You shall keep that lamb up until the 14th day of the same month and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening and they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat. And then God said, for because I'm gonna pass through the land of Egypt this night and I will smite the firstborn of the land, both man and beast and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord and the blood shall be to you for a token Upon the houses where you are. And when I, notice those verses, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Do you know what the people had to do? The people had to kill the lamb, strike the doorpost and the headpost, and then trust. They had to trust. Do you know why they killed the lamb and struck the side posts and the head posts because they were trusting in the word of God. They were trusting in the command that was given to them by God. In faith, what were they doing? In faith, they were following the instructions given. Their faith was in the word of God that was spoken unto them. Their faith was not in the lamb. Their faith was not in the deed that they did. Their faith was in accordance to following what Jesus, had, what God had said to them. You know, this is the same, a similar principle that can be applied to us and our faith. Here's what the word of God says about someone finding forgiveness, finding mercy. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, what's the word? Believeth or believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You know, their faith wasn't in the lamb, but our faith is completely in the lamb. But here's the thought. How do you know that Jesus is trustworthy? How do you know that all of this is true? How do you and I, what do we base our faith upon? Here's what we base it upon. The word of God. Our faith is in Jesus Christ, but we have faith because of the word. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Here's the thought and the principle I want us to understand that Jesus, when he came to this world, he lived a perfect and a sinless life. He went to the cross to die in our place. He was buried. He was risen again to prove who he was. And he offers forgiveness and he offers freedom from judgment. He offers mercy. He offers all of that if we believe, if we put faith in him. It's written this way in Romans 9, 10, chapters 10, verse 9 through 10. It says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For because with the heart man believeth unto righteousness 
And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture, the word of God says this, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hey, listen, here's the principle. Jesus said it later, Paul said it later this way. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I said that verse a moment ago, but here's the principle. Hey, I gave my son. He is, he is sinless. He is perfect. He died for you. He was buried and he rose again just for you to prove that he was God. Now here all, here's all that you need to do. Believe. Confess with your mouth and believe. Understand that you're a sinner going to hell and make that confession and put your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Faith in what Jesus did and believing in what God said in his word is the only way that we find freedom. Not only freedom from judgment to come, but freedom in our life right now. Listen, your faith in God right now is freeing. We are free to see things clearly. We are free to see truth. The Bible says this in John 8, 32, know the truth and the truth will make you free. Hey, when we put our faith in the truth of God, it helps me to see life with clarity. It helps me to understand what's important and what's not important. It helps me understand what, what, what uh, things are very significant and what things really have, have no significance in all of eternity. It helps me understand God's sovereignty. It helps me understand and depend upon uh, what we sang a little bit ago, that our God reigns. I'll say it, just a, a quick side note. This week are the elections. Now, I'm not gonna tell you who to vote for from a platform. I won't say that. You can ask me personally, hey, pastor, who are you voting for? And I'll tell you, doesn't bother me, but I'm not gonna do that from up here. Can't do that, that's okay. Here's what I'll tell you to do. Vote Bible principles. Find the people that line up closest to scripture and vote for them. Now, is anybody gonna line up 100%? No, you and I don't. But you vote for the people that line up closest to scripture. But here's what I'm gonna say. If the people that you vote for don't win on Tuesday, God's still sitting on the throne. If the country goes a direction that you don't think it should go or that's not, that's biblical, that's not biblical, I mean, listen, our country right now has gotten, uh, we are light years away from scripture in a lot of areas. But God's still in control. He's still on the throne. Hey, you know what a Christian can do because of our faith in Jesus Christ? I can look at situations like that and I can go, it's okay. Brian and I were joking this morning about circumstances. So many Christians, American Christianity, uh, our Christianity is based on our circumstances. We are good. We're good Christians if everything's going my way. If everything's not going my way, then, oh no, God, where are you? Did you, what'd you do, fall asleep? Like, God, what's going on? Like, ah, ah. And we scream just like that. We have these mindsets. Hey, Listen. Your faith in Jesus Christ frees you to see the world through his lens. You know what else faith in Jesus frees you from? It frees you from the control of sin. Here's what Paul said to the believers at Rome, those house churches. He said this about their salvation and your salvation. But then being made free from sin, you, become, you, have, you became the servants of righteousness. Galatians 5.1, stand fast therefore in the liberty, the freedom, 
wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of, of bondage. Hey, because of our faith in Jesus Christ, we are made free from sin. Sin doesn't have a hold on you anymore. Now, when we're born into this world, we're all born sinners. Sin has a hold and a grasp upon us. It is our sin nature. We sin because we are sinners. That's what happens when we're born. But when you trust Jesus Christ... The Holy Spirit of God comes into your life. And now you have a spiritual man in you. That old man, the sin nature is kicked out. Now you have God's character, the Holy Spirit within you. Now, does that mean we're perfect once, once we get saved? No, why? We still live in this flesh. I still live in this stuff that has the repercussions of sin because I was born in sin. My flesh knows sin. But you know what? When I trust Jesus Christ as Savior, because of the Holy Spirit, I can say no to this flesh. I can say no to the impulses of this flesh. I have, because of the Holy Spirit within me, I have the strength to, to say, nope, not, not going to think that. Nope, not going to say that. Nope, not going to go. Hey, because of our faith in Jesus Christ, we are made free. Sacrifice is required before deliverance can be given. Faith is required before freedom can be found. And lastly today, remembrance is required so others may know. Remembrance is required so others may know. Throughout the entire story, God takes time to tell Moses and the people of Israel to remember this time. As a matter of fact, if you caught it, what we read a little bit ago, God makes their calendar begin in accordance with this event. Hey, you're going to start your year off of this. This is such a significant event. The rest of your calendar is going to be based on this event. God wanted them to do this. Why? So that remembrance would happen from generation to generation. Here's what he worded in Exodus 12, uh, 26 and 27. It shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, what mean ye by this service that you shall say? It is a sacrifice of the Lord's Passover who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses and the people bowed and bowed the head and worshiped. What was Moses telling them to do? Hey, listen, we're gonna start the calendar and this day is gonna be a day of remembrance where we remember what God did for us. And then people are gonna ask you, and your kids are going to come up to you. And you need to remember. Remember what? Remember what I did. God speaking to them. Remember the sacrifice. Remember the faith that you had in me. Remember what I saved you from. And then tell somebody else. <clears throat> when I look at this Last thought, I just help us understand today that I think a lesson that we can learn is we need to remember what we have and what he's done and pass it on to others. What do you mean, pastor? Too many believers forget what God has done for them. And just as God wanted the people of Israel to remember the sacrifice and pass it on to future generations, even more so, God wants believers to remember the sacrifice of Jesus and pass it on to future generations. 
But all too often, we get so caught up in our own lives, our own schedules, our own family, our own hobbies, our own habits. We get so caught up in our own little world that we forget that there are people who are lost around us. And we forget to tell our neighbors and our coworkers and our friends and our loved ones about what Jesus has done. Hey, listen, just it's incredible. Just as the, their calendar was based upon that day of God's passing over. Hey, when you trusted Christ as Savior, a new life began. You were born new. The Bible word is you were born again again because of his Holy Spirit moving into your life. And you know what? Moving forward, my life should be focused upon and remembering that day. Now, maybe you can't remember the day that you were saved. That's okay. If you know Christ as your Savior, continually revisit the simple principle that you were on your way to hell, but you put your faith in Jesus Christ, not because of your good works, but because of what he did, you could trust him. And now you are no longer going to hell. Now you don't have judgment. Now you have purpose. Now you're free to see things clear. Now you can look at this world, not as this world sees it, but as God sees it. And you can understand just the concepts and Bible principles and you can see God working and you can understand that God loves people. Now you can allow what you have and what you know to affect your decisions every day. Now it affects how you talk to people. Now it affects how you talk to people about Christ. I think right now, every single Christian that I know would readily admit this world is a messed up place. Every Christian I know would readily admit this world needs Jesus. Who's the last person you told about him? Who's the last person I told about him? Oh, we very, very quickly will admit this world needs Christ. Hey, he didn't just die for your sins. No, he was the propitiations for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. While we need to personalize that Jesus died for me, I need to remember what he did for me so that I can tell other people. Remembrance is key to the Christian life. As we study out the Passover today and we look at this, two questions I want to finish with. Number one. Number one is this. Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you put your faith in Jesus? Hey, the Passover is a great picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus dying for you. And Jesus did die on the cross for you. Have you put your faith in him? Have you asked him to forgive you of your sin, come into your life and to save you? Have you confessed with your mouth that you believe? Everybody will spend eternity somewhere, heaven or hell. And God desires that you would spend eternity with him in heaven. So he gave the sacrifice so you could be delivered from the judgment. What it takes from you is faith. Faith so you can be made free from your sin. Have you placed your faith in Jesus? If you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ, today needs to be that day. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Today needs to be the day where you say, God, I believe. God, I confess, I receive you into my life. First question, have you placed your faith in Jesus? Second and last question today. If you know you have Christ in your life, do you understand the importance of remembering? Do you understand the importance of remembering? If you understand the importance of remembering, I just would ask you, would you ask God to help you to keep remembering so you can tell other people? 
If I brought Dennis up here and gave him that $100 or I brought a five-year-old and gave them the $100, the difference is one of them understands the importance, one of them doesn't. There's a lot of Christians that act like a five-year-old with a $100 bill. We know we're saved. We know we have Christ in our life, but we don't remember the importance of it. We don't understand that there's a lost world dying and going to hell around us. And there's some Christians that are standing on this side, maybe even here this morning, watching this morning, that need to remember what they have. Hey, God did not save you and forgive you of your sins so that you could just go in life, build your 401k and advance your career and teach your kids and just be a good dad or a good homeschooling mom or whatever. God didn't, listen, all of those things are good, but if you are still breathing, you wanna know the purpose that God has for you, glorify him and tell other people about him. That's the purpose of a Christian. So some of us today, we need to stop being the five-year-old and come over here and say, you know what? I understand the importance of what I have. And I'm gonna be that person that tells other people about Jesus Christ. I'm gonna tell them about the sacrifice. I'm gonna tell them, listen, it's not about works and baptism and church and all of those things may be good. It's about you putting your faith in Jesus. Have you trusted Jesus as savior? Man, as a Christian today, I wanna ask you to make the decision. God, help me to remember. God, help me to understand the importance of what I have and to pass it on to someone else. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.